Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another edition of the Mainland Podcast. We are at episode uh, 25, I think, now. And that's kind of a milestone. Not really. We've only done 25 of these things. Uh, I'm Michael Citro from TheMainland.com. Of course, that's what the podcast is all about. Orlando City Soccer. Joining me this week, uh, a couple of first-timers, a couple of our writers, Daniel McGann and also Gavin Eubank. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Glad to be here. Glad to talk about some uh, Orlando City soccer. I'm doing doing just fine myself, too. Got some baseball on over here. The podcast on. Looking forward to this. All right. Well, you know, don't watch the baseball game. You're here to do a job. Um, all right. So let's just dive into it. Orlando City uh, had a not good week uh, with the uh, 4-1 loss at Toronto. Come home. Figure maybe we could get well against uh, last place Philadelphia, formerly last place Philadelphia, and uh, we get our first nil-nil draw in MLS. Uh, so one point out of a possible six uh, against a couple of teams we probably needed more than that against. Um, Daniel, I'm going to start with you. Uh, your thoughts overall on the Toronto match in terms of, uh, you know surprising the way that it turned out. I mean, there was no Kaká, and that was kind of the way they played the last time Kaká didn't play. But uh, are you a little bit surprised they didn't come out with a little more fire? Uh, I, I would say that I'm surprised and a little upset, um, knowing that where we were uh, on the, the precipice of getting back into that playoff push, uh, I, I figured the team would have a, a little bit more fire in their belly. Um, I know it was an away game, and you're missing your captain, you're missing kind of that that spark player in the midfield who drives you forward, but that's whenever other guys should have stepped up. And unfortunately uh, in that game, we kind of saw a lackluster uh, performance. We didn't see a lot of energy. Um, we had some players that, that looked good again. Luke Bowden looked good playing uh, back and forth. Of, co- of course, he scored that goal. Um, we had a few chances, but we just looked like, I, I don't want to call it jet lag or, or we didn't want to be there. It just didn't, we didn't come out uh, firing on any cylinders really. Gavin, Here's for me. This is this is a, an issue, and I obviously it's been necessitated by injury, by you know circumstances. But when your attacking wings are a left back and either Eric Avila or Lewis Neal, either one, take your pick. It's probably not optimal for scoring a whole lot of goals. Uh, is my thought. Um, this recent lack of goal scoring probably has to have a lot to do with the, the starting attacking wingers. You know, it's, it seemed like early in the season, you know, I agree with you there. It seemed like early in the season that everything would be kind of set in stone, like either Breck Shea or Carlos Rivas would be there. You'd have Kevin Molino. And then as soon as Molino went down, it kind of really changed the whole dynamic of how this team was um, going to shape out because now you have Eric Avila. Obviously he's not a big scoring threat. You know, he had the goal against LA, but you know, that was um, coming off an assist or header or whatever. But, you know, obviously Molino gave you a lot there. Lewis Neal's not going to give you a lot there. Avila's not going to give you a lot there. But you saw even the 4-2-3-1 against Philly where it was, I believe, Lewis Neal and Darwin Sarah. Those guys hardly ever left the middle of the field. You rarely saw them getting forward. You can't play effectively getting forward and score goals when your two wingers are not involved offensively. And obviously we're seeing how big of a problem that's going to be. Hopefully um, Adrian Venter is going to help out a lot with that, you know, 
We saw him against uh, Philly. He looked, I wouldn't say he looked great, but he looked, you know, energetic and kind of ready to get out there and play with his new team. Hopefully we see more from him. You know, Breck Shea is going to be back soon. Rivas, if he uh, returns to the form he was playing at, you know, I think we'll start to see a little bit better there. But yeah, it's it's a problem they need to hopefully get turned around soon. Yeah, I, Adrian Heath went with the four three three again in in Toronto after having success with it against Columbus. Not nearly the same amount of success with uh, you know <laughs> without Kaká. Uh, the four three three did not work uh, nearly as well. Uh, having a very little service to Laren, but but Daniel, I want to talk about a little bit about Kyle Laren because this is the first time since May that he's gone back to back games without scoring a goal in MLS. And I think that Bendick's big save early on him maybe set the tone a little bit for that game because he had a chance for just four minutes into the game to uh, to put Orlando City on top. And, uh, you know, he, he had a little bit of a heavy touch that forced him to kind of go a little wider than he wanted to. But he still had a chance to pull that back and get it in the in the far side. Bendick came out and made a diving save. Um, for, for me, a big moment in the match. Uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, we we have to remember Kyle Laren's a, a, a rookie, right? He's 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 fresh into into Major League Soccer, and um, he's going to have his ups and downs. The the reason why there's you know discrepancies between a, a good player and a great player is consistency, um, and he's not necessarily there yet consistently. He's going to have those trends where he's you know scoring goals like he he had games back to back to back where he's putting the ball in the back of the net, and then he's going to go through droughts as well. Now that save uh, from Bendik, he could have had another goal that game. That was a, a great run by him, great ball to put him through. But um, he just needs to get better service. Uh, uh, we're going to tie that back to having, you know, a, a left back at playing left mid or in a four-three-three, and uh, Avila, who is not necessarily attack-minded whatsoever. Um, he's not serving good balls into the box, and, and Turner unfortunately didn't have the same type of attacking player that Ramos has had at right back. So. Um, you're, you're looking at Kyle Laren basically doing it on his own for the, for the past two games, really. And, uh, it, it, it shows whenever we don't have many shots on goal. I think what we have one shot on, on target against Philly. That's, that's just not going to do it. And Kyle's going to need a little help getting more balls into the box and, and helping him through rather than, uh, us just hoping that he's going to do something magnificent. Yeah. And when you know it, a nil nil draw against Philadelphia, uh, the union came into that game yielding the most goals in uh, MLS this season, Orlando City the third most. And, of course, it was a 0-0 draw. <laughs> uh, Gavin, it, it, it's got to be a big disappointment to only get one real good scoring chance against Philadelphia Union as bad as their back line has been this year, and they didn't have a do in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have one of the worst defenses in the league, one of the worst teams in the league, really. It's... Um, Playing at home, you'd think Orlando would be able to get something, but it just seems kind of weird how they've been struggling there lately where they haven't scored. Um, they scored, what, a shutout in three of their last four home matches there. You know, that's that's obviously a concern. Kaká wasn't in one of them. You know, the injuries have been all over the place, but overall it, it was a game they should have won. I don't know. On paper, at least, you know, obviously the way they played didn't say they should have won the game, but you never know. It's it's uh, something, again, hopefully you want to see get better moving forward, and it's not going to get easier when they go to Seattle this week, you think. No, I, and, you know, it's it's just hard to look at that bench and find any um, 
spark, uh, really, the way that the injuries have happened. And we've, we've even had more injuries this week. We had Connor Donovan makes his MLS debut against Philadelphia, and it lasts all of 10 minutes before he blows out his knee. He got his ACL, his MCL, and his meniscus, so the trifecta for Connor. And he's going to be out quite some time, um, probably into next season. And uh, it's a shame for him because he actually was coming along quite well. Tommy Redding, though, came on and, and did a pretty good job. Daniel, I, I thought that Tommy, um, you know, that the moment was probably going to be a little bit too big for him, but he actually played a very, very strong game for Orlando City. You know, he, he had he had some nerves getting out there at first. You could kind of tell he was he was a little indecisive uh, for the first few minutes, but uh, just like any center back or, or uh, defensive midfielder, once you get that those first couple challenges in, those first couple 1v1s and aerials, you, you kind of settle into the game. And um, especially for a, a defender in, in the heart of the defense right there, uh, I think it, it helped a lot having uh, Colin next to him, uh, somebody who's got a lot of MLS experience. But Tommy Redding really held his own uh, from coming in after Donovan's pretty, pretty horrific injury, got to say. Um, and, and Tally Hall really stepped up as well. I mean, that, that 10, 12 minute onslaught that he went through, um, really, really put his staple, uh, on the game there. But Tommy's, we've got to give him all the credit in the world because for his age, stepping into a, a role like that, uh, he did a fantastic job of it. Yeah, he, he sure did. And, and, you know, he, again, he, he did have a few moments where he, it obviously wasn't a perfect debut, but he, he had made some mistakes, but, he recovered very well. He did have a very, very important uh, header to clear a ball that was uh, was going to be a dangerous ball into the box late in the game. Tally Hall really uh, was high on him after the match. Um, Gavin, what did you think of the experiment of putting Corey Ash at right back uh, against Philadelphia Union? I, I seemed to have some issues on that right side. Um, he wasn't. I didn't really see much that was worth pointing out. You know, I thought he. They played to him a lot over there on the left, on the right. You know, obviously he didn't have a lot to work with with Darren Saren, but I thought for the most part he played uh, a pretty okay game. He's played there before with uh, Houston. I'm not sure how much in the past. I'd have to go back and look that up. But ideally, you don't want to put him there. You know, you'd like to have Rafael Ramos back, but it um, it wasn't terrible. I would say. <laughs> So reinforcements are on the way. We've, we've already seen Adrian Venter, and I think we'll see more of him as he's uh, acclimated into the, the team a little bit. Um, you know, he hadn't played since May, came in after less than a week with a, a new group of people, probably didn't even know everybody's name, and I thought he showed a real good spark off the bench. He really um, hustled, and uh, he made some things happen, considering the fact that he didn't really uh, know who he was playing with yet, and he didn't really know much about um, the system or anything like that, or MLS even, uh, I thought he came on and, and, and he provided something. He actually uh, he made the game better, which was you know basically what you want out of your bench. Um, David Mateos is in town now. He's going to be get a full week of practice in before the Seattle game. So reinforcements there, and also we're hearing Rafael Ramos back at practice. Uh, so, um, you know, Right back should be solidified if, if Rafa can play on on Sunday against Seattle, which uh, we certainly hope that's the case. Um, so, Daniel, why don't we just go ahead and get your your man of the match for Toronto? I know it's a it's a tough game to pick somebody from, but uh, 
you know, you got to look for the, you know, for the for the silver lining in the in the dark cloud. So uh, tell me who stood out to you against Toronto? Well, I mean, I, I would I would have to say, you know, not just the goal aside, but how Luke Bowden has kind of taken a little bit of the offensive uh, troubles that we had and, and carried us the past couple of games. He's he's been putting the ball in, into the box as much as possible. He's been playing wide left as much as possible. But we saw in Toronto him come across the middle. Uh, he took a, a beautiful uh, curled shot right into the corner and and uh, even looked a little hesitant on it, like he wasn't quite sure as a defender if I'm supposed to shoot right here. But uh, <laughs> he, he he ended up putting it in the back of the net and. Uh, that was a highlight of the game, but he, he, a big thing about uh, Luke Bowden that I've noticed is he's got a little creative spark in him from a, a defender, and that's something that we definitely are lacking at the moment, especially when we're playing without Kaká and with some of the other players that we have on the field. Usually we, we run with three defensive midfielders, but um, Luke would be my, my man of the match for sure against Toronto. Gavin, your man of the match uh, up in Toronto? I'm going to have to agree with um, Daniel here. Luke Bowden, obviously, he played... He played well. I didn't watch the full game, like I admitted to you guys, but from the time that I watched, he was one of the better players. Uh, you know, goal, of course, goes a long way. It's um, it's hard to pick a man of the match when the whole team wasn't good at all. But for me, it would have to be Luke Bowden. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a disappointing effort overall. Um, I do also agree with you guys that Bowden was the was the bright spot in the lineup. Um, just weren't getting anything from the right side all night. Uh, Laren had a a couple of opportunities, but he didn't. He didn't finish on them. Uh, you can't really give it to anybody on the back line when you give up four goals, um, or the defensive midfield for that matter. So um, Bowden kind of wins it by default for me as well. Uh, the goal was good, certainly. MLS uh, opens his MLS account, and um, he had actually played some pretty decent defensive uh, midfield on the left side as well, uh, breaking up play and, and starting attacks the other way. So I would agree with that. Uh, let's go back to Daniel and, and get your man of the match for the nil-nil draw against Philadelphia. For me, it's a pretty easy choice. Let's see what you have to say. Well, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go beyond your easy choice, and I'm gonna look at uh, Arula Collin because uh, when when Tommy or when Connor Donovan got uh, injured and Tommy Redding had to sit in, uh, step in, it's it's difficult for a back line to introduce somebody that doesn't exactly get a lot of minutes uh, playing with the the, the first four. Um, in practice and also is that young um, and I thought Colin for the mistakes that Redding made which youth are going to they're going to make mistakes he stepped up uh, uh, to cover a lot of ground he, he was he was great in the air um, there were a few issues of course that he had throughout the match uh, distributing wise but uh, I thought he stepped up and, and really held that line together all right Gavin uh, Philadelphia man of the match uh, Tally Hall, without question. You know, he is probably the main reason why we're sitting here talking about a little draw and not a 2 3 nothing game. You know, he had those big saves late in the match The uh, just not a lot of goalkeepers are going to make. You know, he's obviously a couple of them are right there at him, but he's still the reaction to get there is was fantastic. Um, you know, Bill Mead obviously stole the, the, uh, the spotlight on Saturday with his performance against Montreal, but. Tally Hall was a very, a very close second for that goalkeeper, and obviously, the player of the match for me. Yeah, I, I got to go with Tally Hall. He, he was uh, really clutch down the stretch, especially in uh, a, a team that hadn't had a, a clean sheet since the end of June. Um, you know, it was nice to see the, the goalkeeper step up and and keep the team in the in the match throughout. And uh, he had a, a goal, a, a save. I think a, I think it was against uh, Maidana, Christian Maidana. I think. 
which I thought was worthy of consideration for MLS Save of the Week, but he was not one of the five finalists for MLS Save of the Week. So, yeah. you know, Are you I guess about that great tip, uh, <laughs> in the 80th minute over the bar. Yeah, that might have been it. It was it was a fairly close range shot, as I recall, and he yeah. he it was a, a good reaction save. I, I thought it was a, a a really key moment in the game. I I could see bad things happening if Donovan Ricketts had been in between the sticks for that uh, last stretch of uh, of the match, but uh, luckily he was not. So um, nothing against Donovan, but I just don't. I think his best days are behind him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Tally Hall really showed his class on uh, on Saturday night. So, uh, you know, we've got um, Sunday. You know, it just doesn't get any easier. You go from from playing uh, Philadelphia, who you think, you know, should be able to get three points against, to traveling all the way across the country to go up against Seattle, which, okay, Seattle's form has been really, really bad the last month or so. Uh, but... They are getting reinforcements as well. They've just uh, added a, a designated player. Uh, they're getting Obafemi Martins back. Um, just, you know, the timing couldn't be worse for Orlando City for Seattle to get these guys back. But uh, we're going to bring in somebody now to uh, to help us break down this Seattle match. Uh, we're going to, uh, why don't we just bring in our, our special guest for the week and uh, talk about this upcoming Sunday night extravaganza out at CenturyLink Field. All right, joining us now from Sounder at Heart, we have Dave Clark. Dave's uh, one of the managing editors over there, and uh, they are one of our, our sister uh, SB Nation blogs. They cover the Sounders, so who better to have on this week's podcast? Dave, uh, welcome to the Mainland Podcast. Proud to be with you. You know, I, I'm really glad that you were able to come on this week because, um, you know, I think it's it's fair to say that as the, you know, the Supporter Shield winners last year, and one of the one of the teams that sort of serves as the face of MLS, along with Galaxy and and a couple others. I think this was one of the the matches that we really looked forward to all year uh, here in our inaugural season uh, with Orlando City uh, going up to Seattle, going up to CenturyLink, and um, you know it. We kind of didn't envision it being like this, though. We kind of thought, you know, we we're going to be playing you know, a team on top of their the Western Division or Western Conference, and we're going to be hopefully battling uh, for one of those, you know, mid-playoff spots in the East. But here we find ourselves uh, in seventh and playing, uh, you know, a, a Seattle team that's, that's had a really, really rough patch uh, over the last month. Um, what is going on up in Seattle in terms of, of the fans? Are the, are the supporters... Um, they're probably not hitting the panic button just yet, but how are they feeling about the way Seattle's been playing lately? Well, I think uh, if you asked us uh, just after the loss, um, the most recent loss, that was to the Galaxy. If you asked the fans after that, and if you took away all the rumored signings, then uh, they would have been hitting the panic button. But right now, um, there's a ton of excitement that revolves around three new players that have been added within the last week and a total of four that were added during the uh, the transfer window. So right now, despite the results, um, people are still – the people that pay attention are extraordinarily excited. Dave, glad to have you here. First of all, I wanted to uh, ask you about um, how Seattle feels having another team in the league, albeit in the Eastern Conference, that can draw huge crowds. I know uh, 
Seattle, you know, necessarily been the darling of the of, of Major League Soccer since they since their inception and um, how they draw numbers uh, every week that that are fantastic crowds. Orlando's got a little competition. Have you have you had the chance of seeing Orlando game this year? And and what do you think of our atmosphere? Watched a couple on television. Uh, yeah, and uh, I like what's going on there. It's it's been great to see. I've got family down down in Orlando, so. Um, I'd, at first, I was kind of surprised at the the, the crowds. I wouldn't have expected it from from that community, um, but I, I'm really proud. I'm not going to be the type of fan that says, that gets jealous of attendance records or anything like that. For me, I want I want every team in the league drawing what Seattle does right now, and I want Seattle drawing 67,000. To me, that's yeah. that's how we see the sport continue to grow. That that's kind of my goal. I know the uh, the Sounders might be a little bit jealous. They might feel threatened long term, you know, because you guys kind of like Seattle will uh, shortly have the idea where you can have essentially expansion um, of your seating, where your normal match will be in, in that brand new palace that, that's getting built down there, and then you'll still be able to bump up to uh, the Citrus Bowl as needed. I'm excited for that, Dave. You know. Um... A lot of people like to draw comparisons about Orlando City in their first season. Um, Seattle is the most recent expansion team to make the playoffs in their first year. But, you know, Orlando City, we're on that pace. You know, they're still battling for that. But, um, you know, they've hit a bump in the road with all these injuries and stuff. Do you see any kind of comparison between the two uh, teams in their first year? And is there anything you can kind of say to Orlando City fans to reassure them that it's not totally over yet even though or in their uh first year it's definitely not over at at any at any point in the season um you basically just want to be within nine points going into that last month you're within nine points to playoffs anything can still happen in the month of uh of uh october It, it can happen um you go on a run somebody else doesn't boom you're in so there's no reason to give up hope uh just heck I just watched the team go one and eight in their last nine games, and there's no reason to give up hope. Um, so for Orlando City, I think what you've got is you still got all the talent that got you um, those wins early in the year. So the, the little slump that you're going through right now isn't a big deal. Um, I wouldn't focus on that. Just focus on what you guys need to know. And the fact that you've got heck, you still got live local soccer making the playoffs in year one is. Uh, Again, you, you pointed out, two teams have done it, Seattle and Chicago, and Chicago did it in an environment where eight of ten teams made the playoffs. So <laughs> that isn't necessarily what exists now. I, I think that, um, Orlando's got a lot of stuff going for it. they got an organization, in, in my opinion, that shows how you should do expansion, that follows the same model that Seattle and Portland and Vancouver and Montreal did, where you, had a, you laid a, a strong foundation both in uh, in the business side and in the soccer side, um, and any team that starts up uh, should continue that. Um, I've, I've talked to other teams that are starting out, the, the Atlanta's and the LA um, FC people, fans of those teams. I'm like, well, what you do right now is you get a USL team immediately, you get an academy immediately, and and you lay the foundation. Because if you don't have that, if you don't have that foundation, you're going to spend your first year building that foundation. <laughs> So you're not making the playoffs. So, you know, cut it shorter. You get that two, three-year head start as soon as, as, as any team in the league, as soon as they get awarded an expansion side, um, 
should immediately start a USL side and immediately start an academy team. And I'm glad that you guys did it. And um, I think that has a large, large reason to do with why um, you'll challenge for a playoff spot. Yeah, Dave, let's uh, let's turn our attention to Sunday. Um, it's you know this is a big uh, nationally televised match. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of excitement, and obviously Obafemi Martins looks like he's going to return. Maybe not Dempsey, but it looks like Seattle finally will have some of its offensive weapons on the field that it have have been missing for a while. How do you see this match unfolding? I mean, neither team has really been in their best run of form for the season. Well, for, for Seattle, it's all about getting talent back on the field. Um, I was going over the numbers, and uh, like to put it in perspective, you, you started off talking about the supporters' field winning team last year. And uh, five players that are still on the team that were uh, starters during the supporters' field win are no longer starters if everybody's back and healthy. Um, that's how much talent they've added in the past uh past year so if you look at it that way if you look at um during this really i call them the dire days ever since clint dempsey ripped up that uh that red card or ripped <laughs> up that referee's notebook it's been the dire days out here um if you look at during that time the 18 then compared to the 18 now uh 10 players are new essentially because clint clint dempsey was gone He's still not going to be back. That's fortunate for you. But um, the new DP signing, Nelson Hedo Valdez, who has played with Sammy Martins before, is uh, is almost certainly going to start and going to start up top. Obo Sammy Martins is almost certainly going to start. New signing Eric Freeberg is in the middle. Brad Evans, the national teamer, is going to be in the middle. Neither of them were there for most of those dire days. So you starting to look at all the chains, you know, and just look at the spine. Heck, they could play Ramon uh, Torres, their new, the new Panamanian center back, and alongside Chad Marshall. If they do all of that, uh, Stephen Fry missed half of the, the dire days because he had a shoulder injury. And uh, you, you look at the spine, and of the six guys along the spine, only one of them started a majority of the, of the downstream. So if Seattle can gel, if they can put themselves together in a way that plays well, they'll be as good or better than they were uh, in the middle of June and and all of July. Yeah, Dave, uh, Dave, the additions that you made with Nelson Valdez, uh, Roman Torres, uh, Andreas Avanchitz, like those are some fantastic players that you're bringing into your club. Uh, and Orlando made a few moves uh, ourselves with uh, Winter and uh, David Mateos at center back. But uh, let's get back to this weekend necessarily. Um, you're at home. Uh, you're going to miss Clint Dempsey. He looks like he's going to be out. Martin's going to be up top. Uh, what do you see uh, the game looking like from Flow? Are you expecting an attacking style of soccer from both Orlando and Seattle? We're both on that playoff edge at sitting right there at seven, waiting, trying to get into the sixth spot to get into the playoffs. Uh, are you hoping for a lot of goals uh, this weekend? Yeah, I want. I need goals. I've seen three goals <laughs> in the past two months. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty dire. That's well, that's it's pathetic. So I need goals. So I, I, Seattle's going to push. Seattle's going to push. They're going to be at home, and the old talents and the new talents are, you know, they need to declare that this they're the Sounders that wins win trophies, not the Sounders that struggle to make the playoffs. So they're going to push forward. Um, one of the great advantages for you guys, uh, 
and I didn't even talk about this, and I probably should have, is, is Valdo Alonso, who is a former best 11 defensive midfielder, is not going to be back. And I, I'm kind of panicky a little bit because the only player on this, on this roster that's capable of handling Kaká is out. And that's going to force what's likely going to be Brad Evans and Eric Freeberg probably have to almost, I mean, frankly, they, they have to do almost an American um, football type of thing and, and give them some bracket coverage because there's no way either one of them or in a standard zonal system are going to be able to handle Kaká. So I'm, I'm pretty much assured that Orlando will get one or two goals, and it won't be because of um, systemic defensive failure. It'll be because you've got one of the greatest players in the modern game. Well, I'm going to jump back in on that, uh, Dave. I just want to say that uh, Orlando has been playing uh, – we, we play a possession style of soccer. You know, We, we, we try to mm-hmm. keep the ball throughout the match. Uh, if you look at the numbers, we, we average over 52 to 53%. Uh, either home or away uh, whenever we play. And we try to just put the pressure into the other half of the field so we can we can build that pressure and get good chances. We're lacking a lot of attack on our wings, as, uh, of course. Kevin Molino going down at the beginning of the year. Carlos Rivas not necessarily taking the role on the left. Brett Shea being injured. Um, so we're basically playing with a makeshift attacking uh, third. Um, but how do you see that possession battle uh, going this weekend? And like you said, Kaká is a, a, a player that plays on a, a different world than most others. Um, how do you see him being stopped? I mean, is it going to is it going to fall to your back four to, to step up and, and stop him moving the ball around like he enjoys doing so much, or, or is this game just going to be all out from the get go? I think it's going to be more all out because uh, with, with Kaká, and then I'll get I'll get back to kind of the, the countering possession style because uh, that when Seattle was great, that's what they did. Um, so we'll get back to that. But first, you with, with Kaká, uh, it, it's got to be on Freeberg and Evans. Uh, and and the reason for that is that um, neither Ramon Torres nor Chad Marshall are known for their speed. No matter how you measure speed, neither of them are necessarily fast. They're, they're two towering center backs. They're great. They're high quality. It, if I had to put together a list of the, the top five that play in uh, CONCACAF right now in, in pro leagues and CONCACAF, They'd both be on it, but stylistically, they're still going to be learning how to match up. So I don't want one of them stepping out um, into Kaká's space, leaving the other one on Kyle Larry. That that <laughs> that's doom. Um, I'm scared. Like I I don't want it. So it's going to have to be on Evans, and it's going to have to be on Freebird in the post. Probably have to sit a little deeper than usual, um, and they'll deal with it that way. When Seattle played at their best, they liked to possess in the, uh, in the central third. Uh, they did not march up the field in kind of a Barcelona E type of possession where, you know, they, they'd use their, their short passes and just keep marching up, capturing 10 to 20 yards of space at a time. They did a lot of knocking it sideways, um, right along the center line practically, and just waiting for a mistaken coverage when they would spring Clint Dempsey or Obafemi Martins with a long ball or a through ball. Um, it's, it's not necessarily – I use the word long ball there, but normally when you hear long ball and MLS, you're thinking um, 50-yard passes from the back line or the keeper. And this wasn't that way. I mean, they, they would play a 30-yard pass 
from the center line to spring their forwards. Uh, it was really exciting. They put up a lot of goals back when they were great, which was more than two months ago. Um, <laughs> it's getting, I'm getting tired of talking. Oh, these two months have been horrible. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, if, if they play how they did when they were at their best, it's going to be really exciting. You mentioned some weakness in the attack on the wings. Uh, Seattle likes to get both fullbacks forward sometimes at the same time. That's uh, Dylan Remick, who's a, uh, a speedy left back who came out of Brown University, um, a little bit unheralded because he played at one of the Ivy League schools. And then uh, former premiership and English champion league or English championship side, uh, Tyrone Mears is the, the right back. And um, he has replaced DeAndre Yedlin. Not nearly as fast, but his passing is wonderful. It's, uh, it's almost like watching what DeAndre Yedlin will become when you watch how um, Mears plays right now. So I think those guys can help exploit it. Um, at this point, who plays on the wings will really depend on who's healthy. If Seattle uh, plays a, uh, a Lamar Nagel and a Tomas uh, on the uh, outside, both of them like to cut in, and so that'll leave the, uh, the fullbacks to provide with. Yeah, Dave, uh, before we let you get out of here, I, I mean, I for my money, I think the big um... – the big key for me is to see how Orlando City's center backs deal with Obafemi Martins. Uh, I think that Aurelian Collin is going to be either paired with 18-year-old Tommy Redding, uh, unless Seb Hines can get back, or maybe David Mateos, who's uh, not been with the team, but uh, only arrived with the team Saturday. So I think that's going to be, for me, the key matchup. And I think, as well, you're going to see the defensive midfielders are going to have to be on point. Um, Darwin Saren and, and Chris Nikita uh, are going to have to be on point against Seattle. For me, that's that's what I see as the key matchup in the game. Where do you see the key matchup on the field? And, um, you know, before we let you get out here, obviously we have to get your – we make everybody do this. You have to give your uh, game prediction. I, I think uh, it's going to be on Oba. He hasn't played in a very long time. He, he went down with an injury against uh, – in that same Portland match um, where Clint Dempsey went insane. Um, that's when we lost Oba as well. Um, so it was a wonderful day. Um, so if he's back, and he's back doing what he does, the man's probably only 5'6". I don't really care what the league lists him at. I'm 5'6", and I look him right in the eye. Uh, but he is um, kind of like Charles Barkley in the NBA was able to win all those rebounds despite the fact that he was pretty darn short for an NBA player. Although Tommy Martins did the same thing with his hold-up play. He's got that low center of gravity. His thighs are as big as many players' chests. I mean, he's just, he is rock hard. He is an example of the ideal physique. Uh, so he'll, he'll have to be the key. He, um, when, when we got him, I discovered that basically Tommy Martins is the player that's ideally built for MLS, fast and physical type of play. He has quick thoughts and all of that to exploit it. But if you say that MLS is about being athletic, Olafemi Martin is one of the five best athletes in the league. And he is a player who's gone to World Cups um, based off of his ability to play soccer as well. So it's a great combination. He'll be able to, to rejoin with guys like Lamar Nagel, who he's played with here in Seattle, and then um, probably with uh, Nelson Valdez. Hedo Valdez, who those two um, 
in uh, Valdez's uh, welcome back to or welcome to the team video. He's sitting there like hugging Oba and playing with Oba's hair. I wouldn't conceive of touching Oba Family Martin's hair. I'd probably <laughs> break my hand, like just by touching him. Um, but Valdez is, uh, was immediately friendly. They're like, hey, what's up? I miss you. It's been a while. Um, and that to me is what screams that this organization, um, and, and for the next couple weeks until Clint Dempsey and Oswaldo Alonso are back, they're going to ride on the shoulders of Oba Femi Martins. And, I, I'm happy about that. Last year, they rode the shoulders of Femi Martins. He was the uh, runner-up in the MVP race. All right, well, Dave, well, we need you. We need you to predict what's going to happen on on Sunday uh, when uh, Orlando City takes the field against Seattle Sounders. All right, I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to give you a different prediction than I did in um, in a, in a written exchange. I'll, I'll go with the same <laughs> one. So it's uh, I'm feeling like a three-one. I don't think that Seattle can keep a keep Orlando off the board, particularly with their weaknesses in defense. And uh, I, I'm so desperate for goals that it, it, it might be more hope than reality um, with the goal side of things. But I need to see some goals, so I'm just going to demand it with my uh, my own will. <laughs> well, we can, we can certainly relate to your desire for goals. I mean, aside from uh, the aberration of a 5-2 win over Columbus uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's it's been a pretty big drought for Columbus uh, or for uh, five goals, though. Orlando you, City. You know how far <laughs> back you have to go for the for the Sounders to have scored five total goals? Yeah, yeah, I know. More than two months. <laughs> oh, I I mean mm. I I haven't I I felt a lot of pain as a Seattle sports fan. I, I watched the Seahawks win only two games in a year. Watched the Mariners twice lose a hundred or more games just recently. I watched the the Sonics get dismantled in order to lose enough games that people would not go to games. Uh, both of the colleges out here had a uh, zero win seasons for their college football team. I've seen a lot of losses, and uh, for some reason the Sounders stuff is hitting me harder. Despite the fact that they're still making, they're still a playoff team. Uh, these past two uh, two months have reminded me, but I'm a Seattle sports fan, and I will feel pain. I will feel it often. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit. You know, it's it's a testament to the start that Seattle got off to that they're still in the playoffs the way the Western Conference has gone. But it's interestingly enough, Orlando City has played very well against the Western Conference teams. They just haven't done as well as they should against the Eastern Conference. So it should be an interesting matchup. Really looking forward to it. And uh, Dave Clark from Sounder of Sounder at Heart. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter and on the internet? Yeah, so uh, I'm the founder, founder and managing editor of SounderAtHeart.com, which is uh, our little uh, neck of the woods over there on Estimation. Um, you can find that on Facebook simply at Facebook slash Sounder at Heart. And then um, the place where you can find myself, which is uh, on Twitter, is at Better Than. B-E-D-I-R-T-H-A-N. And uh, I'll just warn you there, there's a lot of geeky stuff I do on the app Better Than. It's not just the soccer thing. I talk <laughs> about D&D and fantasy fiction and Middle Eastern politics. And um, on Sundays during the NFL season, I live tweet a punter um, every single one of the, the Seahawks punchers touches. So if you follow app Better Than, you're warned right now. It's It's weird. <laughs> All right, and you can also follow the Sounder at Heart uh, Twitter feed as well. So, yeah. uh, Dave, thanks thanks for being our guest here on uh, the Mainland Podcast, and um, you know we'll we'll see what happens on Sunday. 
Yeah, my pleasure, and I, I hope you guys crush the Eastern Conference for the rest of the year and let us win this one. <laughs> All right, thanks so much. Well, it's just about time to uh, call this a completed podcast, and we want to thank our, our guest, Dave Clark from Sounder at Heart, once again. Um, appreciate him coming on and giving us the Seattle fan perspective. Uh, but before we get out of here, guys, we obviously still have a little bit of business to do. Um, we've got a little segment we're going to call Ask TML. Uh, we've, we've solicited some questions on Twitter, and uh, we've got a few of them in the hopper, and we'll see if we can pull those up and and uh, asks or answer some questions. We've got a couple questions from our friends up in Louisville, actually. So uh, this should be interesting. But um, so if you would like to ask us anything, and you can, just like a Reddit Ask Me Anything thing, you know, it's you can just hit us up on Twitter and uh, just give us the hashtag AskTML and uh, ask your question. Or you can uh, email us, themainland at gmail.com. It's T-H-E-M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D at gmail.com. First question uh, comes to us from... The Louisville Heretics account, and uh, Louisville wants to know, and I have a very strong opinion about this, Count Chocula, Booberry, or Frankenberry? (laughs) Daniel, we'll start with you. Uh, Count Chocula, out of the way, uh, I don't understand how you could possibly choose anything else whatsoever. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Gavin, this might be before your time, but uh, do you you have an answer? I'm going to say none. None of the above. (laughs) I stick with the uh, the Cocoa Puffs and the... um... The uh, cookie crisp. That's my cereal. All right, so we got a couple chocolate lovers here. Um, I'm going to say Frankenberry because I think when you go with uh, fake artificial flavoring, uh, I think it's harder to screw up strawberry than it is to screw up a lot of other flavors. So I'm gonna, and I always kind of like the Frankenberry, so I'm going to go with that. So uh, there you go. Thanks for the question. Uh, we have a question here from the Community Sport Report. Uh, wants to know, will Tony Cassio ever play for Orlando? Daniel? Uh, I hope so. Um, I, har- I harpen this back to uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the expansion draft for, for teams growing through the expansion draft, and it would be a little upsetting to to see that pick uh, go to a waste if he never steps on the field for Orlando City. He's He would have been fantastic for us uh, this year, knowing that he's can play either left mid or right mid and a Either a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three, and he's got speed on the outside. He's got a good foot to put the ball in the box. Uh, we really missed him coming back from that uh, injury and then picking up his his back injury that he has now, and uh, hopefully he gets healthy. Gavin, what is your uh, what's your gut t- telling you about Tony Cassio? Well, I'm still trying to figure out if this guy's alive. I have not seen him anywhere in weeks, <laughs> months, but you know it's. It's a you know it's kind of sad you know when players deal with these injuries. Obviously, a back is not something where you just kind of sit it off for a couple of weeks and hope it gets better. You gotta in a sport like this, you gotta you know wait till it's 100%. You don't want to risk it you know further problems down the road after your playing career. But you know, like Daniel said, he would have been a good piece, especially with the way we were losing players left and right this summer. You know, would have it would have helped. But I'm I'm leaning a little bit towards no right now as far as seeing him play again. Yeah, I agree. He really uh, his his absence really handcuffed Adrian Heath this year. I think um, you know this is a guy who could have come in and given some serious minutes after Molina went down. Um, but you know the back 
the back is a is a funny uh, part of your body in terms of once you start having problems with it, it's really really hard to get it back to 100 percent. And I just don't see. First of all, I don't know what his contract situation is, so I don't know if he's on a multi year or if this is the last year. But I, I have to say, if if he doesn't have another year on his contract, I, I don't see him coming back because I just think um, they'll just move on. Uh, if he does have another year left, then I I think we'll. You know, we we possibly could see him in 2016, and I have seen Tony Cassio recently at the stadium. Uh, he came in before, I believe it was the Columbus game. It might have been the game before that, but I I remember seeing him at a recent game, and uh, I was talking to Paul Tenorio from the Orlando Sentinel before the match. We were just kind of hanging out where the players come in, and we both kind of raised our eyebrows. And Tony walked in, and he, you know, he was he looked fine. He was bending over and taking pictures with kids, so it like, didn't look like his back was bothering him. But, um, you know, um, hopefully he gets well, and it might be just one of those situations. You know, it's kind of weird because Adrian Heath was saying he was getting close to returning at one point, yeah. and then you didn't hear anything about him. And then, you know, weeks and weeks gone by, and, and then it, maybe he just had a relapse or, or something and just decided to shut him down for the year. I don't know, but... Uh, it certainly has hurt the team uh, not having a player of his caliber and, and his uh, his qualities uh, because uh, the team was certainly was needing those qualities on the field. Yeah. Uh, Louisville Heretics uh, also want to know when will there be an official Heretics interview? Uh, that will be when Jeff Milby says so. <laughs> Jeff Milby says so. There will be an official Heretics interview. Also, I'm not sure what makes it official. Um I think just being on it makes it official. <laughs> uh, I think the last question here is from Vale on Twitter. Wants to know, do you think the new stadium will be ready on time? And I think we can already answer that it will not be ready for the start of 2016. We know that it, it may be ready for the very end of next season. Uh, we were told uh, when they unveiled the, the, the designs that, it was, uh, I think they said, a 12 to 14 month process from that point. So, um, very, very late next season is is the earliest we should expect that. Uh, uh, are either of you guys hearing anything different? Uh, I'm thinking maybe if the team makes the playoffs next year. Uh, that, that's exactly what I, what I've been hearing, and and what looks like the the time frame is going to be built out for us. Uh, if not, I don't think they want to open up with just the last game of the season type idea. They'll probably open up with uh, something they can draw, you know, more tickets. Of course, they want to have that big gala, that big event, uh, and the playoffs would definitely be that. If not, then they would probably just push the opening to uh, the beginning of, of the season after, so 2017. Yeah, yeah, I agree. With, uh, I agree. Yeah, Gavin, do you have any other uh, ideas about the new stadium? Oh uh, yeah, like Daniel was saying, I think it's one of those things. If the team's not in the playoff race, they're probably shouldn't bother trying to open up the stadium next year and creating all that chaos and, you know, moving the season tickets and all that kind of stuff. And when there's really nothing to get excited about, but you know, if we're going into playoffs and you want to have that big shiny thing to build even more momentum going in to draw fans and kind of stuff, I think we'll see that. But I mean, regardless of when it's going to happen, it's going to be a great stadium. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing uh, the team playing on grass at home for sure. Especially, and I, I bet guys like Connor Donovan uh, would be happy to play on grass <laughs> next year as well. That's that's too early for that joke. <laughs> it's it's too soon. Yeah, uh, I agree. So you know, before we get out of here, we have to have our sure to be incorrect, uh, you know, 
predictions for next week for the weekend. Um, we don't recommend that you take our predictions and run to Vegas with all your life savings uh, because we have proven time and time again that we can be incredibly wrong. Uh, so I'm going to start with Daniel and get your prediction for final score, goal scorers, all that stuff from uh, this Sunday at Seattle. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely come from the optimistic uh, point of view here, and uh, I'm gonna say that we're gonna head to Seattle, and we're not gonna have a problem playing on the turf. Uh, we're not gonna have a problem playing in front of uh, tons of fans. We do that uh, week in and week out here at home. I think the atmosphere is gonna drive us to a two-one win, and I see Kaká getting man of the match and, and putting the goal in the back of the net. All right, uh, Gavin, what do you see happening on Sunday? I've been going back and forth in my mind because you got Seattle, they're they're struggling, but they're playing at home, and Orlando City can often get on slow starts at home or on the road, but they play well against the Western Conference team, so it's going to be kind of one of those things where we're either going to see a really good game or another nil-nil draw because these teams are both not playing well at all. But I think in the end, Orlando's going to slip by one nothing. you know. Kaká's going to do something great. It's going to score, and it's going to see all the headlines on ESPN since they've already taken the time to broadcast the game. But, yeah, you know, it, it should be a good match. You know, great crowd, obviously. So I'm excited to see this one, and hopefully they pull it out. All right, well, uh, I am going to say that this team uh, is going to come out and, and play very, very hard. I think Kyle Laren will finally get that rookie goal-scoring record. Uh, but I also think that Obafemi Martins will be too much for our back line. And I see this one maybe playing out to a 2-2 draw, which I think actually would be a very good result for Orlando City at Seattle. So that's what I think uh, we're going to see on Sunday. So there you have it. We have uh, no chance of being right, any of us. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so that's going to be it. That's the podcast. And uh, you, you can always uh, follow us on Twitter, please. Uh, we are at the mainland and M A N E, not M A I N, because we are fond of lion puns. Uh, also, we are at themainland.com. So if you're, you know, catching us on uh, iTunes, you know, please visit our blog and uh, read what we have to say. We have a lot of really talented writers uh, who have a, a lot of strong opinions and uh, and they do a lot of good reporting as well. So uh, we'd like to see you there. And uh, also, if you are on iTunes, please uh, rate us and uh, leave us some, some feedback, and we would appreciate that. So uh, without further ado, we're going to get out of here. Next week, we will come back, and we will talk about this uh, Seattle match, and, uh, and we go back to Toronto. So we'll talk again about Toronto FC. Uh, so um, for Daniel McGann and uh, Gavin Eubank, a couple of uh, newbies to the uh, – Mainland Podcast. I'm Michael Citro saying, Go City! <laughs>